Welcome to the Heart to Heart Spiritual Direction Podcast with Father Michael Stalla, Spiritual Advisor of Hope's Garden. At Hope's Garden, it is all about the heart, the heart of Christ the Bridegroom, and how His love is healing our hearts, marriages, and families. You can learn more about the Bridegroom at hopesgarden.com. Hi, everyone. This is Father Michael doing a talk for Hope's Garden. Uh, today, I'd like to talk about the four uh, pillars of the understanding of Catholics, uh, marriage and love. When we talk about love in uh, most contexts, there's lots of different ways we can talk about love. We could say, I love pizza. We could say, I love my dog. We could say, I love my grandma. And we could say, I love my spouse. But there's something specific about loving a spouse that still gets very confused because there's ways that people say they love their spouse, but doesn't seem very loving to us. In fact, it seems to us as, as some sort of betrayal of love. Jesus himself was quite shocked when Judas came and kissed him on the cheek so they would identify the person to be arrested. He would say, Judas, with a kiss, you betray the son of man? Why is that so shocking? Because the kiss is supposed to represent love and respect. And it has been twisted. And the world does that. The world has a misunderstanding of love. And sometimes we think love means one thing. When Jesus says, that's not my love, that's not what I'm teaching you. So what are the four components of love in this Catholic marriage understanding? We believe that love is free, total, faithful, and fruitful. That's married love. If it doesn't include these four components, it may be a kind of love, but it's not the Catholic understanding of marital love. How is it free? You can't be forced into love. You shouldn't be manipulated into love. You should not be lied to so that you fall in love. This is a big temptation for couples when they're first dating. They figure out what the other person likes, and then they pretend that they're that person. But of course, over time, you figure out the truth. But even the attempt to lie to somebody about that is really trying to make them less free. They need the information so that they can make a free choice. If they are misinformed, they're not really free. So keep it free in that decision. Of course, this happens with God. God does not force us to love him. God offers his love, and you have the choice to respond. Yeah, sometimes we talk about in uh, spiritual warfare, possession. Like the devil would take over a person. God doesn't take over. He doesn't take over your hand and move it around. He didn't even, in the inspiration of the, of the Holy Spirit that happened to the writers of the Bible, they didn't suddenly go into a trance and God took over their hand and they started writing. That's not how God works. God invites you freely to use your gifts to respond to his love. Total. In marital love, you're not partially in love. You're not sometimes in love. You can't say, I love you in this circumstance, but not that circumstance. It is a total commitment to the person. There's nothing 
held back. This comes into con conflict sometimes when it comes to in-laws. They might say, I love you, but my first priority is my parents. That's not true. It also comes into problems when it comes to children. I love you, but my first priority is my children. That's not true either. You've made a solemn vow to love this person in a sacrament. You should not neglect your parents or your children. Of course not. But you need to do this together. And your first priority has to be together. Because if you take care of the children and then have whatever is left over for each other, eventually you're not going to be taking care of the children very well because you're not on the same page. You're not loving each other. The children will benefit far more when the love between the two of you overflows to them. Totally committed to each other will only be good for everyone else. In addition, sometimes we hold back love in the sense that we begin to love each other, but not quite to the point of getting married. So we start to live together. We say we love each other and we never quite finish it. We never go to the church. We never get the blessing of the church. We never, we never did that part. And so it's, it's partial. And the reason that people do that, they often enter into it because there's a, a mutual using of each other. It's financially makes more sense that we don't have two different rents, but that we share the expenses. Or sometimes it has to do with just the, the work that has to be done, especially if kids are involved, but not necessarily just kids. And they just say, well, I'll do this part, you do that part. And it becomes this mutual using of each other. It's not really that we've made a total commitment. If there was a total commitment, then why not get married? And a lot of people say, because we're not sure if we're going to stay together. So I'm committed, but only to a point. And I need to have an easy out should I decide so. That's not a total commitment. That's partial. And that's not a Catholic marital love. Uh, it is a kind of love. It is a very worldly kind of love, a very common kind of love. But that is not what a Catholic marital love looks like. Faithful. We obviously know what it means to be faithful. And there's something intrinsic to that, something deep down inside of us that understands what it means when somebody cheats on another person. Faithfulness as far as sexual relations seems very natural to us. Uh, and that's funny because a lot of people still argue that faithfulness is not natural because in the world of the animal kingdom, there are moments in which they are unfaithful to each other. And that there is so much infidelity within humanity that obviously it's natural not to be faithful. But those are people who are just manipulating their own conscience, trying to kill their conscience because they all know deep down, I want my spouse to be faithful. Now they're talking about themselves. Am I allowed to be unfaithful? But once I turn it around and say, is your spouse allowed to be unfaithful? They go, no. Suddenly it becomes clear, clear, crystal clear. There is something intrinsic about this and it's true in all human cultures. Why is that the case? Because uh, my expectation of the other to be faithful to me mirrors my hope that God will be faithful. I believe God is good and God is faithful. But I have to recognize that if God were not faithful, what could I do about it? Take him to court, call a cop, nothing I could do. 
God is so powerful. God is so much greater than I am. I am very vulnerable to him. And it is something I never take for granted that God is faithful because he doesn't owe me anything. And yet he's faithful. He's loving through his faithfulness. And this is why I need to be faithful too. It's not just because I didn't have an opportunity. Some people think that way. It's not because, well, as long as I don't get caught. It's not because, well, as long as nobody gets hurt. It's not even because, well, they cheated first, so I'm going to cheat second. A lot of people think that unfaithfulness is grounds for divorce. The easiest way, way for me to respond to that is to say, don't be unfaithful. Just don't do it. But your vows at your wedding was not, I will be faithful so long as you are faithful. But I promise to be faithful. Period. That's hard. Because it puts you in a vulnerable position. I don't have control of the other person. They're free, remember? And they could break my heart. And now you're in a right relation with God because I'm vulnerable before God. And it's hard. But I want to remind you that God made himself vulnerable to us. And some of us betrayed him. And some were faithful. Will you be faithful? First and foremost to your Lord then be faithful to the one he has placed into your life. An unconditional faithfulness. And it goes beyond sex. It takes work. You can't have an emotional attachment to somebody else and no emotional connection with your spouse, but say, well, I didn't have sex with the other person, so I'm faithful. I mean, that's, <laughs> you're missing out. You're missing out on the joy that could be. Being faithful means really working on the marriage. And it takes work. Why does it take so much work? Because you usually start off on the right page, but you grow at different rates. And life changes at different places. And as a result, there are times in your marriage when you're not on the same page. And it takes work to keep orienting back to the same page again. Because you're older. Because your experiences. Because chemistry. It changes over time at different rates. And to say that whatever comes, whatever tomorrow brings, I will be faithful, automatically assumes I know it's going to be hard sometimes. But that's when faithfulness kicks in. Everybody can be faithful when it's easy, when it's fun, when it's romantic. It's much, much harder to be faithful when one of you is sick when one is angry, when one is going through a depression. There's lots of times in which it takes a faithfulness that really is a self-giving. And you can see why we say that is Christ's love for us. Finally, uh, love in a marital sense, the Catholic understanding of marital love is fruitful. There's the obvious sense of fruitfulness, children. So it's one of our requirements. If you want to get married in the Catholic Church, you have to be open to having children. 
So in some way, uh, when we use contraception, we're saying uh, a couple of things. One is we're saying, I'm not totally committed to you because I don't want to have ki kids get in the way of us. Second, I'm not, I don't want to be fruitful. I want to take that piece out. And third is, and I don't have the discipline to learn how to do this naturally. I just want to have sex when I want to have sex and not do it naturally. And that's, that's not really um, uh, the best relationship. Uh, and a lot of people argue with the church about this issue. And I understand their arguments, especially when it comes to health issues uh, and, and sometimes even with economics. Although I am not that very sympathetic having lived six years in El Salvador, it's very hard for you to argue with me in this country about economics. But really what it comes down to is letting God drive. What if the unexpected happens? How will I respond? And when we lose confidence in our ability to respond to that, we start to look at two ways to control it. We're trying to control the outcome. And to a certain extent, you're able to do that with natural family planning, and it takes effort, it takes discipline, but not a huge amount. You're all intelligent enough to do this, or strong enough to do this. But the fruitfulness of being able to say, you know, sometimes God has another plan that's bigger than mine. A lot of the times I ask couples, how many kids do you want to have? Have you ever talked about that? Oh, yes, we decided two kids. Why did you decide two kids? Well, that's what I grew up with, or that's what we thought of when I was 10 years old. Really? You just picked a number and you decided that's it? There wasn't a lot of prayer involved in coming up with that number. I think it's an important decision, not one that the priest makes, because I was not called to have children. But it is one that you're called to take very seriously and to do so in prayer. Let God be part of that prayer and ask God what do you want? And sometimes God says two. Sometimes God says one. Sometimes God says seven. You don't know. But to have the courage to ask and the openness to let God be in charge. Now, there's another kind of fruitfulness. There's a fruitfulness of if we love each other the way we're supposed to, it overflows in the way that we treat others. You take care of the neighbors. You got that great aunt that we always make a point to go visit. We uh, adopt. We uh, take upon ourselves, uh, you know, one of these missions and we're supporting a school someplace. This understanding that the world is not all about us. And I find that unfortunately, sometimes couples talk to me about this, that they did not want to have children or want to delay having children so they could take time to focus on themselves. And they mean financially and time. And it really becomes self-serving. You gotta be very careful about that because it turns into a kind of greed. You really gotta be very, very careful about that. Letting God into it, sometimes God says, for now, this is what I want you to do. But unlikely at the strongest point of your life is God saying, I don't want you to do service. I don't want you to help other people. I just want you to be all about yourselves. Very unlikely God's going to do that. He may do that when you're in a weakened state at a later part of your life. But usually at the healthiest, strongest time of your life, he wants to put you to work. He wants you to show his love. 
He wants your love to be fruitful in changing the world, sometimes directly with your own children and sometimes with your influence as a couple to the greater world. And this is fruitfulness. It takes mutuality. You can't just do this alone. You can't just have one doing it. You both have to get on the same page. But this is exactly what Jesus has been telling us for a long time. You keep yelling at God to change the world, but you won't do your part. He says, it's got to be both and. we got to work on this together. God says, I know you want me to click my fingers and put it all in order, but I'm asking you to do your part. Well, I don't want to do my part. Well, I know you don't want to. I don't want to die on a cross, but I did it. Were you going to be, are you willing to work with me on this? And so we both have to work on this, which means we have to have a really good dialogue. We need to make sure we're on the same page with Jesus in prayer and that we're expressing ourselves completely and honestly to God as well, which helps purify our deepest desires and the areas we need to work on. The same thing with a couple. The couple need to have a good dialogue with each other to stay on the same page and to be most productive. I thank you so much. God bless you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.